The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today. A show that I know, I know, I know. My name is Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you'll listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support your local mediocre internet show. All right. Look, I don't like this any more than you guys do. Okay. Uh... I am once again in the jump seat. Ashley had to run off and do something important, much more important than hanging out with me. I think you can all appreciate that. The good news, though, is that I'm not alone in the studio like I normally am. I'm not just crippled by loneliness. Instead, I am joined by the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Shahan J. Roger. Hey, Shahan. What's up? Hey, man. Thanks for joining me. This would have been very scary if it was only me. <laughs> this would have been very bad. Um, today is... Let me do this real quick. Yeah. Hold on. There's a lot going on. All right, all right. Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. 23 days till Thanksgiving. Episode 851. 8:51. Steve Bouchelle's offensive war in his illustrious Texas Rangers career. Okay. Sorry, who was that? Steve Bouchelle. Oh. All right. I heard he had a kid. Ne- ne- never, never heard the name. Never heard the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on today's show, guys, Shahan's here. We're going to talk a little college football. Uh, then we're going to announce the Visit Fort Worth Coaches of the Week, the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week, and the back half of the show. You do not want to miss. We will hear from South Oak Cliff Coach Jason Todd after his big win over Dallas Kimball. Matt Sepp caught up with him. So we'll have that at the back half of the show. First and foremost, let's get to first four through the door. There's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Morton, Rob Hadaway, Greg Veet. And Matthew McSpadden. Hey, guys. Uh, hello to everybody. Um, yes, Matthew McSpadden says, Greg flying solo. Uh, 100%. This is all terrifying. I know. But uh, we've, we've gotten through this before. We've gotten through this before. And luckily, I'm very glad you're here. Otherwise, this would be, this would be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that we've done this before, too. And do you know what? We made it all the way through a show. Uh, and that's it. That's my standard. That is, that is it. Listen, listen. My stated goal whenever I have to produce the show is to get to the end. I, I will say <laughs> nothing when, explodes. When when you pulled to that wide angle shot and just saw me just sitting there by myself, it makes it look a lot more lonely. Does it? Isn't that lonely? <laughs> just, like, oh. Wow. All right. Dang. It is. I see I how it is. It's very good. So uh, we're going to start. Let's get to a little bit of college football talk with, yeah. uh, with Shahan J. Raja. I have a graphic here for this. For you. Okay. I got to oh. find it. Hold on. You know what? I wish that. I wish that. Um, let me see if I can do that. Does that work? I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. I don't know what you're doing. There we go. Well, okay, that's fine. It's episode eight fifty one. I'm trying, guys. This is why we pay <laughs> Ashley the big bucks. Okay. So it's college football talk with Shahan J. Raja. Um, you were at two games last week. Correct. You were at. First, we'll talk about the game in Waco. Okay. Uh, Baylor beats West Virginia seventeen to fourteen in a game that nobody should ever watch again. <laughs> Has Correct. no replayability. Correct. Um, there are games. Um, there are games um, that you want to go back and watch. This is not one of them. No. Um, am I wrong in saying that I feel like there are some red flags for Baylor in this game? I think there were. Uh, I mean, 
my question just ends up being, you know, they showed some weaknesses that I don't think we've seen really all season. Now, does that mean that they haven't been revealed as yet? Maybe. I mean, who knows? Uh, but, you know, Iowa State wasn't necessarily able to take advantage of the line. And that's a team that you thought maybe could. Obviously, Texas Tech's been pretty dominant on the line and they haven't been able to take advantage of it. So I do think that there is an aspect of, you know, Baylor just not being very healthy on the offensive line, maybe sleepwalking a little bit through the game. So I, I don't know exactly how much... Uh, we should worry about because for me, if the defense started faltering, that's when you start to really get worried, you know, mm-hmm. but but offensively, I think that you kind of figure that they're going to get things back on track a little bit, at least. Uh, now, there are better defensive linemen that they're going to play, too, especially when they play against Oklahoma. I think that's going to be the big question mark is, you know, are those defensive ends, are those linebackers going to be able to get through the offensive line and cause some issues? That's a big question. But really, on the other end, I don't necessarily know if. TCU can do that. I don't know if Texas can do that. I know that Kansas can't do that. So, yes, I do think that from a structural perspective, I am curious what this means. But, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that it's a quote-unquote warning sign. Well, the one thing I'll say is that I, on the offensive side, I feel like we now know what Baylor is. And Baylor, just plain and simple, Baylor's not this huge explosive offensive team. They're They're a good offensive team. And they had a bad game, but I don't think anybody would mistake this team for Ohio State offensively or Oklahoma or anything like that. I think they're a good offensive team with potentially a very good defense is kind of the way that I would. Well, well, I think that kind of the interesting thing about that phrasing is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I, I know that David Hale over at ESPN puts together some explosiveness numbers mm-hmm. and Baylor actually ranks top five in terms of offensive explosiveness. That's wild. Now, now here's here's the deal, though, with Baylor, right, is that. They are a methodical team until they're not. You know, they are a ball control team. They are a get a first down, keep the chains moving team until they take the big shot, right? Until they throw the ball to Tyquan Thornton, until they throw the ball to Denzel Mims. And that's how Matt Rule kind of sold it when he came in here was a uh, a balanced team with some explosiveness you know a, a team that's going to be able to move the ball down the field but isn't going to try to every time and look i mean having oklahoma up there having you know the the old baylor system here having you know what sunny Cumbie and all of them did at tc over there like that's kind of broken what we think of explosiveness being um but you know they, they've kind of stayed to their system pretty well now the the again the flip side is that when they can't block for the run game that's when things start to become yes. an issue and uh Look, they decided not to redshirt Xavier Newman. They tossed him in the game against West Virginia and had some success with him at guard. Uh, they should be getting Connor Galvin back any week now. He's their starting left tackle. They have been a lot worse on the line without him. So they are going to get some legit bodies back. That's also part of it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if they can't run the ball, this whole this whole offense is based on RPO and and play action. And if they can't if they can't run the ball, then obviously things just get a lot harder. Jacob John chimes in and says, as we say in Wisconsin, keep her moving. We will. If you guys have questions, by the way, for Shahan uh, and and maybe me, we can try to get some at, at sure. the end of at the end of uh, at the end of the show or at the end of the segment. Um, OK, the other game you were at. Uh, I can't actually believe you went to this game. Oh, come on. You know that I will do anything. You went to North Texas and USAP. Hell yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you went to that game. Um, and look, my overall takeaway from that game is that this was the North Texas team we were kind of hoping to see all year. It just took playing a really bad team to finally see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the big thing is that North Texas actually, where they dominated probably the most was on special teams, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get good field position. I mean, there were two kick returns where Mason Fine threw a touchdown within two plays. You know, I mean, that's that's sort of what North Texas is hoping for, uh, you know, when they hire a full-time special teams coordinator, which, by the way, hey. We'll if, get to if, that. If, if, you're, if you're watching this program, 
hire a full-time special teams coordinator. But anyway, um, you know, North Texas was kind of able to do whatever they wanted. Uh, you know, the receivers got a chance to show out. They ran the ball pretty well. And, and Mason Fine just kind of had a moment, which which I think everybody's been waiting for him to have, throwing mm-hmm. seven touchdowns against UTEP. And, and like, UTEP's not good, obviously, but, like, seven touchdowns is seven touchdowns. Yeah. So I don't care who you're throwing it against. I mean, the, the, the list of guys who have thrown for seven touchdowns in, in this year is is not uh, – it's a class that doesn't take long to call a roll. So, I mean, it's impressive. And, more importantly, he did – a uh, post game interview in in, in a uh, in a dinosaur costume. He did. Uh, Simon Mann chimes in and says uh, TCU upsets Baylor this week, calling it. I y- look, I could see it. I mean, especially- I, I said it before the year. Yeah, I mean, and and you talk about on the road. Yeah, in Fort Worth. I think that I it's think it's a look ahead spot. It's a definitely a look ahead spot. TCU, I think, is definitely has definitely a high enough ceiling that if they get a good game from uh, Max Duggan. Uh, and their defense shows up, then they can absolutely pull. I don't think this is. I don't, I don't think this is a walkover for Baylor in history. No, no, no. I mean, I'll and I'll be at this game this week because I think that, you know, TCU has had Baylor's number basically since that 2014 game. You yeah. know, I mean, they've they've dominated them basically since that moment. Uh, the one thing that I'm curious about with TCU is that, you know, their defensive ends have not gotten to the quarterback at all. Yes. And look, I mean, Charlie Brewer's a bad quarterback not to get to. Um, and, and on top of that, I mean, they just haven't been kind of solid all the way around. And offensively, I mean, they are going to have to probably withstand some major pressure from Baylor's defensive line. But but look, I mean, everything's possible. I mean, they have the personnel on the defensive line to be able to cause issues. They just haven't done it so far this year. It's actually shocking. I just looked this up. Yeah. Um, TCU's defense is 75th in sack rate. And that's not like... Horrifyingly bad, but like for TCU, that seems well crazy. Low. I mean, I will say for the way that they scheme, that is horrifically bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, they need to have their defensive, and I'd be curious too. I mean, I, I don't know if you have that number in front of you. What percent of that is defensive events? Because their yeah. defensive events are getting nothing. I mean, Shamik Blackshear has been a non-factor. Sean Mathis has been a non-factor. They've gotten some production. Obviously, Garrett Wallow has been really good at linebacker for them. Uh, their their interior is still really good, and I think they've probably gotten some sacks from there. But like. They just don't have a pass rush. They don't have a yeah. consistent pass rush. And if you're going to put your defensive backs out on an island, I mean, we saw it mm-hmm. even against Texas. We saw it uh, against Kansas State even. If you're going to put your defensive backs on an island, it doesn't matter if they're good. They're going to struggle. Um, Shahan J. Raj, our college football insider, joining us here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. Okay. Uh, there's the other game. And let's talk about let's talk about SMU Memphis. Yeah. Um, Hire a full-time special teams coordinator for f- Stop. Hey, come on. This is a family show. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> this feels like a missed opportunity. Oh, my because God. Because I'm not... Now, th- I want to be clear. I think Memphis is really good. Yeah. I think Memphis is really good. But I don't think you can convince me that SMU is like is like noticeably worse than Memphis. Well, my thing that I take away from this game is that SMU played worse than they have pretty much all season in most areas. And they still could have won the game they were onside kicking for a chance to play. right and and i mean you know because because i think that there's a lot of people who are looking at this like oh well smu this shows that they're frauds you know they went on the road and lost by six points to a team that's really good like i come on you know we we don't have to overreact to this i mean if this game is played in, at, in dallas i think it's a different situation too like i mean it, it's just a hard thing it's the biggest game of the weekend you know it's as big a crowd as they're gonna face this whole year like it yeah, guess what? They lost a football game. Yeah. And and on top of that, so many of the reasons that they lost a football game were their fault. Uh, again, especially when you talk about uh, special teams. And the stat that will stick with me 
all season long, all off season long, probably until the day I die, is that Memphis started with the ball at their 40-yard line on average. Yeah. Their 40-yard line. They could not cover a kick to save are their you, lives. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's... That's not bad special teams. That's like malpractice. That's like you are trying. And, and in fact, that counts that Shane Bouchel was the only successful special teams player on the day because he had two punts that went to the two-yard line. They're great punts. Yeah. And if you take those out, where is Memphis starting to? They're probably starting at like the 45. Like yeah. it's it's horrible. It, that is just unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. It was it was really disappointing, um, uh, like to me because they missed an opportunity. Now look, there's still a lot in front of them. Yeah. And they, uh-huh. they still are very much still alive to make the New Year's Six game, to win the conference. Yeah. Like, Memphis just has to lose one game. They already have a loss on their schedule to Temple, mm-hmm. who, who again, SMU beat earlier in the year. So now the flip side, obviously, is that SMU also has to go and play Navy, who's ranked now. Mm-hmm. They have to play Tulane, who's been, uh, you know, borderline ranked earlier this year. It's not an easy path, but it's still very much there for them. Okay, so um, you're going to be at TCU Baylor. We talked a little yep. bit about that. Um Give me the other game, one other game, college football game in the state at any level that you are most excited about or most interested. I won't say excited because we're at this point where there's a lot of college football that's not exciting uh, in in the state of Texas, like every Rice game. But hey, um, hey, hey, I've been burned too much by Rice. Nope, I'm done. I'm burnt by Rice. I'm burnt Rice. I I understand. Um, I'm hurt, but I understand. I'm actually having to look up the schedule right now because I am. I like, think Kansas State at Texas is interesting. That, oh, that's a very interesting game. Um, well, give me a second here. You're yeah. listening to live coverage of our <laughs> college football insider looking up the college football schedule for this week. Hey, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big one. Um, just looking across the board. Uh, Houston Baptist Nickel State could be a little fun. Um, Do you want to talk some Tarleton State? Who are they playing this week? I'm I playing. don't know. They're going to kill somebody. Uh, no, they're, they're playing William Jewell. That's nothing. Okay. Do you, oh, I, were you here yesterday when I asked the question, what's the one notable thing about William Jewell? I was, so I won't spoil it. Uh, actually, you know what? Don't save it. All right. Uh, save that. Uh, <laughs> in the comments, if you know the one notable football thing about William Jewell, um, let me know. Uh, drop it in the comments. We'll shout you out at the end yeah. of the show. No, the, the most interesting game looking at the schedule is definitely Texas versus Kansas State yeah. because, one, Bill's... <laughs> Bill Snyder had uh, Texas number in Austin. Yeah. Like he really had their number in Austin. He had their number everywhere. It, it seemed it, like yeah, and and so no, obviously it's a different team. It's obviously a different coach. It's obviously a different staff. It's a different scheme. Everything, but Kansas State doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, and Texas makes a lot of mistakes, and especially uh, you know this season they've fumble the ball a lot. I mean, Sam Elliott doesn't throw interceptions, but their offensive line has been inconsistent. Their secondary, obviously, is not very good. And the question that you have, because the last time that Kansas State took the field against a good team was against Oklahoma, and they scored 48 on it. Now, I think that Texas is worse in different areas than Oklahoma is. Like, I don't think that they're necessarily going to be running to the second level, but it's a concern, I think, absolutely, if Texas can't set the edge, which they haven't done a great job of doing this year. Um, and, and on the other side, again, Kansas State is going to cause issues. They're going to be able to cover guys. They're going to do everything solid. So the question is, can Texas not beat itself? Yeah. Because that's how Kansas State ends up winning football games. Uh, I think I think you're right. Um, it figures to be really interesting, that game. Um, uh, one question from uh, Jacob John in the comments here on Facebook. Um, he asks... Who has your Earl Campbell Award vote as of now? Mm. So the Earl Campbell Award, the Earl yeah. Campbell Tyler Rose Award, if you don't know, uh, is awarded to the most outstanding offensive player, college football player, 
who either plays college football in the state of Texas or played high school football in the state of Texas. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. Who won last year? Uh, oh, uh, Kyler. Kyler. The, I'm sorry. That's yeah. very dumb. And, and, the, the guy who also won the Heisman. Right. Uh, uh, and, and and for for our sake, let's just. I mean, let's take J.K. Dobbins out of it. Like, let, let's let's talk about the guys who play football, college football in Texas right now. Okay, that's fine. Um, because I mean, yes, J.K. Dobbins is eligible for the award, and he has a good chance of winning. Jalen Hurts is eligible yeah. for the award, but like. Come on, you know. Let's just let's, for the sake of argument, for the sake yep. of this conversation, we right. will limit it to. So then we'll just say this: Who is the most outstanding offensive football player in college football mm. in the state of Texas this year? Yeah, this is a tough question. I'll let you think while I tease this. Tomorrow, here on the show, we will be announcing the twenty-five semifinalists for the Mister Texas Football High School Football Player of the Year award. So, hey, how about that? There's that. Which oh. Kyler Murray was a two-time winner. Yes. Yes. I am going to go with Shane Bouchelle. Okay. And I, you know, I was really thinking in my head, you know, should I, should I say James Prochet? But, but like Prochet and Robertson have been just both such a big part of the team. It's kind of hard to pick one over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Bouchelle has just stepped in there and he has been the biggest difference between last year and this year's team. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think that. You know, you can make an argument that he's not the best player on his offense. I mean, Xavier Jones has been awesome for them, too. James Prochet, Reggie Robertson. But, like, I think Shane Bouchelle is just the guy who makes that go. Yeah. You know, he's the guy who has changed everything on that offense. He's, you know, uh, just with his ability to stretch the field, with his decision-making, with his ability to deal with pressure, he's he's done everything for that team. He's a straw that stirs a drink, for sure, um, there at SMU. Uh, some people in the comments, Ryan Middleton says, Kyle Trask. Not a bad pick, actually. No, 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 he stepped up all. in a big way for Florida, which is crazy to think that he was the backup quarterback in Manville. Right. It's crazy. Right. Uh, Daniel Agnew says J.K. Dobbins and Jalen Hurts are the best outside of Texas. Probably true. I think that Dobbins has a very good chance of winning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd be curious to where Jalen Hurts stands with other voters mm-hmm. right now because to me, like he's been really good. I don't think he's been like that much more special than kind of the other guys that we're talking about. But at the same time, I mean, he's an Oklahoma quarterback who puts up a lot of yards and, you know, we'll potentially have them on the edge of the playoffs. So it's hard to count them out. Um, and then... Um, and, and actually, even more than Jalen Hurts, actually, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C.D. Lamb has been great. Uh, Simon Mann says Shane Bouchelle as well. Yeah. Look, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And I think, yeah. um, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of conversation about that. I have a vote, so I won't say who I would vote for right now. Yeah, I don't believe it or not. Well, I, well, you know what? Here's the thing. I kind of count that as a Dave Campbell's right. Texas football vote, and so I'm certainly will. I'm certainly going to ask your opinion and <laughs> people like that. Um, here's Shahan J. Raja. Follow him on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. It's, it's not un- under here. No, it's way. not. No. Um, you want to spell it for the podcast listeners? Yeah, S H E H A N J E Y A R A J A H. Yeah, and also uh, I, I must mention uh, it's it's uh, voting day in America. So go vote. Go vote if you haven't as yet. Oh, and uh, listen to his podcast, Republic of Football. Yeah, Republic of Football. Yeah. Shooting up the podcast charts. I don't have any numbers to verify that, but I'm just going to say it is. That's fine. Shahan, appreciate it, man. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football on Lone Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com, TexasFootball.com, where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Coming up in just a moment, we will be talking with the head coach of the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears. Bears. Uh, Jason Todd. We will talk with him, uh, hear from him rather, Matt Step talk with him after the game. But first, let me pay some bills. 
Dave Campbell's Texas Football in partnership with Visit Fort Worth is proud to honor the one head football coach from each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with a special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 10 Visit Fort Worth Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Austin Flynn from Deer Park. Austin Flynn returned a year ago from, to his alma mater after a stint coaching in the in the college ranks. In his second season at the helm, he's got the Deer back in the playoffs after a stunning 35-27 upset win over Beaumont Westbrook. That was stunning. In 5A, Randy Allen from Highland Park. Highland Park needed overtime to get the job done, but the Scots got it done with a 42-35 overtime win over an outstanding Lancaster squad uh, to give head coach Randy Allen career victory number 400 as a head coach. And for a Ben McGee, or Ben McGee rather, from uh, from Sweetwater, McGee knew that 2018, 2019 would be rebuilding years, but they are accelerating that process after a 50, 35, 21 win over Fort Stockton. In 3A, Daryl Andrus from uh, Jordanton. Jordanton's district title hopes appear to be fading away after falling behind 21 nothing to Universal City Randolph, but they showed incredible grit by rallying for a 41-35 victory past the Indians. In 2A, Clint Conklin from Clarendon. Uh, Coach Conklin's squad wasn't given much of a chance by the experts uh, to take down... I was pointing at myself at podcast. Uh, to take down high-powered Groover last week, but the incredible defensive investor, the Broncos, stunned Groover, 28-14. And in 1A, Josh Connor from Bynum. The Bulldogs pulled out a thrilling 47-42 win over Morgan, clinching their first playoff berth since 1992. So those are your Week 10. Visit Fort Worth Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Austin Flynn from Dead... Deer Park in 5A, Randy Allen from Highland Park. In 4A, Ben McGee from Sweetwater. In 3A, Daryl Andrews from uh, Jordanton. In 2A, Clint Conklin from Clarendon. And in 1A, Josh Connor from Bynum. Congratulations to all the coaches. We salute you. For more information, visit TexasFootball.com. Derry Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the TexasFootball.com staff uh, nominates five, four candidates for that week's Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week. And the fans decide via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your Week 10 Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Grand Falls Royalty of uh, Assistant Coach Jeff Corian. The Cowboys clinch another district championship with a dominating Mercy Rule win over Buena Vista, 58-12. Whitney defense coordinator Bo Johnson. Uh, the Wildcats defense stood tall against defending state champ Grandview, holding the high-powered Zebras to just seven second-half points in a stunning 26-21 uh, upset win. In uh, Keller Central defense coordinator Mike Sports. His name's Mike Sports. Uh, the Chargers defense wreaked havoc on Keller Timber Creek, forcing three turnovers and dodging five sacks and seven tackles for loss in a 21-0 shutout victory. And Laredo Martin, offense coordinator Gustavo Guerrero, led by a three-headed attack of uh, running back Angel uh, Angel Salazar, running back uh, Jose Castaneda, and quarterback Gerardo Cham. The Tigers exploded for it when they needed the most in a 63-48 come from behind win over San Antonio Harlandale. So those are your Week 10 Derry Max built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Uh, Grand Falls Royalty Assistant Coach Jeff Corian. Whitney Defensive Coordinator Bo Johnson. Keller Central Defense Coordinator Mike Sports. And Laredo Martin Offense Coordinator Gustavo Guerrero. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Some comments here. Let's see. I uh, thought we were getting a Whataburger commercial, says Paul Roberts. Denton Geyer, says Emily Shoots um, Everett. Uh, had a lot of connection issues. Oh, no. Sorry, Hector. And Eli Espinosa says, talks too fast to, under, to understand. Two is spelled with two O's. Um, all right. Let's get to uh, the main event. Uh, we had uh, an opportunity. Matt Stepp went out to the, to the South Oak Cliff versus Kimball game to catch up uh, with uh, the winning head coach. He ended up being the head coach of the South Oak Cliff Bears, uh, Coach Jason Todd. 
Uh, here is Matt Stepp's conversation with South Oak Club coach Jason Todd here on Texas Football Today. Matt Stepp, Dave Campbell's Texas Football here at Kincaid Stadium in Dallas. Here with the head coach of the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears, Coach Jason Todd. After a 31-17 win over uh, Kimble, the Kimball Knights in a hard-fought game. Congratulations, Coach. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks for coming, too. All right, Coach. Uh, first half, Kimball came out. They, they played inspired football. I think they may have played their best half of the year. Uh, took a 10-0 lead on you guys uh, and, and took a lead into, into the locker room at halftime. But I thought the second half, you guys came out a different ball club. Uh, at halftime, were there any adjustments? made or was it more a matter of your kids just executing uh, the scheme a little bit better? Uh, well, it was some slight adjustments in the blocking scheme and things like that, uh, but the biggest thing that we told them was that Kim was going to come to play tonight, and, and, and we knew that. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was glad because it was a good test for our kids, you know, to get us ready for the playoffs, and we've been in these situations before. Skyline game started the year off. You know, we were down 14 at halftime. So our kids understand at halftime is about making adjustments, not quitting and come playing a better second half than first half. You came out a second half and uh, first drive, you scored a touchdown I took the lead and made it 14-10, and I thought after that you, you guys really kind of seized control of the game. Uh, I thought the, the, the kickoff return from Raphael to open the second half, give you guys good field position, was, was really key. Uh, how important was that drive to, to take that lead in the second half? Oh, it's good. You know, I always judge a good coaching staff and a good team, number one off, how do they come out after halftime? Because that's normally where all the coaches come from, from adjustments, see what the team does. You know, our thing in the locker room was we need to impose our will on them, and that's why you saw us, you know, put our linebackers and running back some, you know, let them get some banging going on to free up with Cameron Davis and McKeevy and Titus get it, would it be some more natural creases to them. So, you know, we're just telling everybody has a part to, uh, in shouldering the load with this team, and everybody got to step up when it's their turn. Well, your defensive line was outstanding. They really got that you made them one dimensional. They, they were not able to throw the ball consistently. Their quarterback was under a lot of pressure. And I thought in the second half, uh, they have a really good running back over there. The Epton kid's a really good player. Yeah, but I thought you guys really did a good job containing him in the second half as well. How big was your defensive line and how big have they been for you guys all year? Uh, the biggest thing was, uh, you know, Coach, uh, you know, uh, Coach Demon over there, he did some good things in the blocking scheme to neutralize some of the things in the first half to cause us some problems in our run fits. Uh, the biggest thing was we just sat down and made some slight adjustments to our defensive line and linebacker fit. And then I think that was the biggest deal at the end of the day. But that after kid, you know, uh, he showed tonight that, that he could be a big-time player. All right, now you guys are uh, hopefully – I know you, you, the expectations here are not just to win a district title. Yeah. You guys want to win a lot of playoff games, make deep runs, and become regional contenders. Uh, you guys are, are, are heading into the playoffs. How important is it for you guys to be peaking going into the postseason? Uh, it's always key for us. You know, we always start hit our stride late in the season. You know, we start out with some tough teams, then we go through a little patch, and then we understand now it's, it's about to be win, you know, win or you go home forever, you know, especially for the senior guys. Uh, you know, our biggest thing is just about getting better and making sure our best game is the game ahead of us and not the game behind us. All right, final question. You Thursday night, you got, you got to win. So now Friday, kids are back at school. It's always a better day when you have a, a Friday a Friday at school when you get a win. Uh, tomorrow, you going to scout. What, what's what's the plan for you and your coaching staff tomorrow as you kind of start to look ahead towards potential playoff opponents? Uh, the first thing we'll do is uh, we'll evaluate the film front of the night with the kids and go over things, uh, take them through a weightlifting session. We'll meet for a little while as a coaching staff, and then we're going to, you know, kind of branch out and go to some different games and kind of split up, you know, to go get some eyes on some different people in our region. You know, one thing that I know about our region, you got a Lido, and then everybody else after that, you know, has the pedigree to have a chance, you know, after Lido. Lido's, is, you know, the only one that's perennial power year in and year out. Everybody else is all fighting for that crown to be the next contender. So, you know, we understand that, and, and, and that's the road that we're ready to relish. Coach, uh, enjoy uh, scouting tomorrow. Hopefully you got you and the coaches uh, eat some good food on the road tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope they do, too. <laughs> yeah, they just got to be there on time. There you go, Coach. Congratulations. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. There he is, Jason Todd, head coach at the Victorious. 
South Oak Cliff Golden Bears. Big win for them uh, as they were able to uh, take down rival Dallas Kimball on uh, last Thursday. So appreciate him t- catching up with Matt Step on a very chilly uh, Friday night, or Thursday night, rather. Now we go to final thoughts. Um, Simon Mann suggests that the Meadowlands Black Cat deserves an honorary Mr. Texas football for turning the tide for the Cowboys last night. Um, that was something. And it kind of reminded me, I think Damon Sales, our old buddy, uh, chimed in and he mentioned um, he mentioned something along the lines of um, that if you remember in the high school football ranks, the Fox, the South Lake Carroll Fox, when that ran across the field at, at SMU and turned the tide for them, it's a lot like that. Um, somebody said uh, they can give it a uh, Daniel Agnew says sign, uh, they can give him a helmet sticker a helmet sticker to that cat very impressive uh, Hector Rio says Oakland Raiders will probably sign him um, it's the LA Raiders right is that where they play now LA yeah they're the LA Raiders now but yes they'll probably sign him because they're really bad at this uh, Payment Cat Food says Hector Rios. Uh the cat was player of the game for the, for the plus basically what we're saying is uh, a lot of cat talk in the comments today. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a fun, good win for the Cowboys last night. Um, tomorrow, big show tomorrow, as we will have um, ba, 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 the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week semifinalists announced here. Uh, we narrowed it down to 25. Uh, it was not fun. Um, oh, they, no, they're still in Oakland. I obviously pay a ton of attention to the NFL. Uh, um, the But what I'll say, is, it, uh, we, we narrowed down to 25 semifinalists for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year Award. Uh, it is going to be, um, it was very difficult to narrow it down to 25. Uh, we left some really, really good players off this list. So we will unveil the 25 semifinalists for the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award uh, tomorrow. One other comment we had uh, was... Um, uh, Matthew McSpadden says uh, they should sponsor an all-star game with Whataburger uniform, uniforms. If you guys don't think that I would wear a Whataburger football jersey every day on this show, then have you ever even seen this show before? It's just I, I'm absolutely down for that. So that is going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Thank you for suffering through me as the producer. Ashley will be back tomorrow. Do not fret. Uh, so we will have a normal show tomorrow. Or, I'm sorry, we'll have a normal show tomorrow. In any case, uh, follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Watch this. Vince Young, you see that? That's your Player of the Year trophy. Please come get it. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Ah. Oh.